This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. We're back at it again. Happy New Year. We should have did the the sound makers. Coming in hot. That's what we did. Happy New Year's, everybody. <laughs> the time that you're listening to this is 2024. That was my party noise. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was the best party noise that I've heard to close out and start the year. So obviously, welcome back. This is the Your Town Podcast, and I'm Matt, and that's Meg. We've got a New Year's Eve, New Year's Day special edition show for you. I'm excited about this one. This was your idea. I, I don't think it gets brought up enough i don't either 24 years ago is where we're gonna go so buckle up ladies and gentlemen we're taking like ripping the duct tape off Uh, you right (laughs) yeah i'm good Mm. stung a little 24 years ago this happened (laughs) and both of us remember it pretty well i was i was almost out of school yikes hashtag we're old (laughs) but not as old as maybe some of the listeners so we're not trying to offend anybody but we're going to take you down the memory lane. Buckle up. It's the Y2K special edition New Year's Scare Show. Woo. That's a long name. Amazing result. Um, I probably either put the intro in before or maybe we'll do it now or maybe we just won't run it at all. But either way, let's just go into this because, well, I don't know. This is something we're both excited about. So are you ready? I am. Let's go. Y2K, the turn of the millennium. Remember when we kind of all thought the world was going to end because computers didn't understand the concept of a new century. Good stuff, huh? I'm sure it almost did. Ah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, So in this episode, just as a little bit of a spoiler, there is going to be some nerd talk. All right. I'm a little bit of a nerd and I know some of the nerd talk and there's going to be some stories and some, uh, some stuff that I had no idea actually happened because of Y2K. Because let's be honest. In the late 90s, early 2000s, technology isn't anywhere near where it was and is today. So um, there's some interesting stuff that did come out. Yeah, well, and I feel like the general public didn't understand it as much as they do now with social media being as big as it is and it being a career for a lot of people. Like, Mm -hmm. There's just a lot more knowledge about it. True. And like I said, and and I think the concept of why this was going to be a huge issue wasn't really portrayed. Like, I didn't have a good understanding of what could have happened and why it could have happened with Y2K nearly as much as I do now and over the last little bit. And maybe, maybe you're going to learn some, maybe some people will. Cause I, we're think, next. I think I will, because I'm going off the old timers like, Oh, this is going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> back in the day, that's what I remembered. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a burned in memory. <laughs> <laughs> Let's set the stage. December 31st, 1999, the world's partying like it's 1999. Quite literally. And then the clock strikes midnight. What happens? Well, let's talk about let's what happened leading up to the Y2K. It was obviously a widespread fear that computer systems wouldn't be able to handle the date change from 1999, 1999 to 2000. And people were worried that everything from, you know, banking, power grids and everything else would fail, cause pure chaos. And maybe you're going Y2K. It was also known as the year 2000 problem. Y2K problem, Y2K scare, the millennium bug, Y2K bug, Y2K glitch, Y2K error, or as I often refer to it, I think you do too, is Y2K. Just just plain Y2K. Just plain. And obviously, 
the computer systems they thought because of early programming might think that uh, 2000 would be 1900 which would obviously cause lots of issues uh, going back 100 years ago. Uh, and I remember personally people kind of stockpiling water, canned goods, and, and all sorts of stuff as if, um, you know, in our defense, though, and, and I say our, I wasn't stockpiling a lot, but people, the year before where we lived, 1998, there was a great ice storm, which a lot of people were unprepared for, where we lost power for weeks because of lots and lots of ice, which maybe we do an episode on that yeah, as that well. Yeah, was pretty... Uh devastating to the area. Yep. And it was a pretty large area. Very large area. I mean, in stockpiling and stuff would have been very nice stores, everything, no power, Mm -hmm. no supply. So a year later, then you get the Y2K stuff. And, you know, people had kind of stockpiled because of it. And even when there's threats of another big storm in the winter, people are starting to stockpile. Then, of course, you throw in COVID where people stockpiled again. Um, <laughs> Take all the toilet paper. All of the toilet paper. No. But, um, and, and I assume it was in, not that we live far away, but we growing up, we lived about an hour apart from our current places. I, I'm assuming it was a, kind of the same stuff near you with stockpiling water, canned goods, all that stuff. Yeah. We're lucky, though, because in our town, there's a natural spring. Mm-hmm. That runs and it's on somebody's property, but they allow the public to go in and fill jugs. So that was an option for us. Mm-hmm. So I think we were lucky in that sense because a lot of people didn't have even like a water supply. Yeah. Yeah, especially no power. I mean, it's not like you or you see in movies and stuff like that where there's um, wells anymore that would lead to a natural spring or something where you lower the bucket, pick it back up. Stuff right. like that. And um, and I feel like it just came out of nowhere. I don't think a lot of people like knew the severity of it, I guess. That could happen with Y2K, you mean? No, back to like the beginning of the stockpiling for like the ice storm and stuff like that. Okay. All right. Gotcha. And the Y2K thing, you know what I mean? They People thought maybe it came out of nowhere, maybe like you referenced, but the tech community had been pre- preparing for Y2K for years thousands and thousands of programmers were working tirelessly to kind of fix the code. And then obviously there was over preparing clock strike midnight and well, we'll get to that in a little bit. So I guess, why do you think that Y2K became really like this cultural phenomenon, this like buzz, this craziness, like, you know what I mean? Do you, do you have mm-hmm. any ideas why you think it was kind of blown out of proportion, not blown out of proportion, but more more chaos and fear than maybe what it should have been. Because, I mean, if they would have put more education into, hey, we've been preparing this for forever, maybe people would be a little less worried. Um, I think there was just so many different angles that people took on it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stories twisting and turning and lack of knowledge and all of that coming together. Um, I vaguely remember people thinking it was a terrorist attack, <laughs> which I, I, I mean, I really think that I've heard that story quite a bit. That, so I don't really know that Y2K could <laughs> yeah. be a small town problems. But I, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's I, what I mean. Like the stories are all different and they twist yeah. and turn and change and shape shift. <laughs> I mean, part of the problem is the unknown, right? You know, yeah, it's, Computers started to become, yeah, computers started to become like more and more of our daily lives, like you you mentioned, especially back then. Um, And I think back then, because it was so new, people thought computers were smarter than they were. 
Yeah. You know, and the idea of them failing because they were so smart or smarter than they were, you know, what could happen on a massive scale was pretty unsettling, you know. And and let's be honest, the media really played into the role. They amplified the panic, you know, Mm -hmm. not saying that the media does that a lot or get into that conversation, but maybe. And then obviously individual companies predicted the global damage caused by this bug could be anywhere from 400 million to 600 billion just to fix it if this did happen. There was a lack of clarity of, you know, what could happen, the potential dangers and some stuff like that. So obviously not only were they stockpiling food, water, but there was a lot of people that were stockpiling firearms and they were buying generators and actually they were taking a ton of their money out of the bank just in case, you know, there was this computer induced apocalypse or whatever it might be. So I do remember people doing that. And don't forget movies. Hollywood had a field day with the Y2K disaster scenarios. It was like the ultimate blockbuster uh, plot. Humanity on the brink of collapse because of a computer glitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so why could it have been a disaster? This is where we start to get a little bit nerdy. So if you're not overly into the nerdy stuff, I do apologize. But I'm going to explain it a little bit more than I think I've ever been explained it. And I think a lot of people. So this is the educational portion of the Your Town podcast. But I think it needs to be done. I think so. So try to keep up the practice. And maybe I'll do the nerdy stuff and you can translate it into everyday people stuff if I can. Okay. <laughs> You're like, no. Educational part. Dun, dun, dun. There it is. <laughs> the practice <laughs> The practice of using two-digit dates for convenience predates computers, but it was never really a problem until stored dates were actually used in calculations. Business data processing was done using unit record equipment and per, uh, like punch cards. Most commonly in the 80s, um, like IBM and a couple of their companies kind of um, employed this 80 column variety. All right. Um, And it obviously dominated the industry because it was the thing to do. You know, IBM was the forefront of all of this. So many tricks were used to squeeze needed data into the fixed field, which was, again, the 80 character records. Saving two digits for every date field was very significant in this effort. So let's jump to the 1960s. Computer memory and mass storage were scarce and very expensive. And, you know, just, I mean, just think about the flash drives and stuff like that that we used and and maybe some people used growing up. I mean, you were spending 50, 60, maybe 100 bucks for maybe 256 meg. I mean, you were, you start getting into a gig. You're like, man, I don't have that kind of money. That's just for storage on a small scale. Now think of a company, a business that has to save hundreds and thousands of, you know what I mean, this stuff and how much it really was. I mean, these were floppy disks at the time, correct? There was floppy disks. There was, yeah, there was even tapes. Like you saved a lot of stuff on tapes, tape drives and everything like that. Um, So early core memory cost $1 per byte. Popular commercial computers such as the IBM 1401, shout out if you remember that, shipped with as little as two kilobytes of memory. Programs often mimicked card processing techniques. Commercial programming languages of the time, such as C-O-B-O-L and RPG, process numbers in their character representations. Over time, the punch cards were converted to magnetic tapes and then disk files, like we just talked about. But the structure of the data usually changed very little. All right. So obviously, punch cards, people probably, I mean, did you ever have to punch in with a card? I did. Yeah. I mean, it just it was it was easier and the technology wasn't where it was up here. Um, data was still input using punch cards until probably the mid seventies. And then there was, um, Bob Bemer, Bemer. How would you say that? B-E-M-E-R. Bemer? Bemer. Let's go with Bemer. He was kind of the first person 
known to publicly address kind of the issue of all of this. Uh, he kind of noticed in 1958 uh, as a result of some of his geneal genealogical software. Then he spent the next 20 years trying to raise awareness of these issues with programmers. In the 80s, the brokerage industry began to address the issue, mostly because of the bonds and the maturity dates beyond the year 2000. So by 1987, the New York Stock Exchange had reportedly spent over $20 million on Y2K, including hiring 100 programmers. Despite all of the articles and the magazines and everywhere else on the subject, from 1970 onward, the majority of programmers and managers only started recognizing Y2K as a looming problem in the mid-90s. But obviously, they've been working on this forever. But this was one of the most brilliant things I personally think they did. April Fool's Day of 1998, a lot of the companies set their computer dates to 2001. So the wrong date would actually, you know what I mean? They kind of would test it on their on their computer system. Like, could they handle it? And I mean, they had a full day of testing and used it as April Fool's. <laughs> That's so smart. I mean, you can always restore things back, but it's like, man, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, and That's then kind of you, you work the bugs out, you know what I mean? And that was something that wasn't talked about as much as well. But um, obviously, Y2K, there was a couple of other dates that had some issues. Um, the date of 4 January 1975 actually overflowed the 12-bit field that had been caused using the DEX system 10 operating systems. There was a ton of problems and crashes that came from that. Um, even before January 1st, 2000, there were also some worries about September 9th, 1999 because of the date that actually could be written in any of the formats, like 9, 9, 99, and they didn't know how it would uh, handle that. And, you know, it could see the, the date valued as 9999, which is used as like an unknown date in a lot of the mm -hmm. things like error 9999. Um, some systems had some problems, but, you know, whatever. And they actually was some issues in 2010, which was kind of renamed and dubbed as some people in the media as the Y2K plus 10, or Y2, um, you know, Y2.01K, all sorts of different stuff. But many of the uh, many computer systems are um, the integers and the representation of the 10 character dates um, cause some issues with the, with that as well. And there was another issue in 2022, which I didn't hear. Um, but on January 1st, 2022, when the leftmost characters needed to be 22, which... I didn't hear about it, so it must not have been a huge issue, but there was some issues. And then apparently in 2038, if things don't, they will get fixed. But if they don't, um, as of this time, there's going to be issues because of the um, the Unix time where it's stored in 32-bit integers that um, that could cause some issue in the Unix time. So we got some time to figure that one out. Interesting. Okay. Sorry for the nerd stuff. Sorry if anybody <laughs> left, but come back to this part right now because we're going to dive into... You know, some of the stories and some other things that really happened in Y2K. Was there anything, you know, memorable to you that happened because of the Y2K stuff, you know, as it hit midnight or before that just really stand? I don't really have anything crazy. Um, so I didn't know if there was something there or we can jump into what has happened, what happened around the world. I don't think so. I do believe we had two sets of TVs going. Like <laughs> one, one with the ball drop and one with like the news feed. <sighs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, having two TVs back in the day, rabbit ears. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Like I said, nothing really crazy for me that, that kind of rings a bell, no pun intended. No, they didn't have rabbit ears when Y2K happened. Fair enough. Basic uh, cable. So should we talk about some <laughs> stuff around the world? Yeah. All right, let's start off with Australia. 
way from the future. I think in Australia at the time of the recording, it's already New Year's Day. Happy New Year's, Australia. Happy New Year. They're actually bus ticket validation machines in two of the states failed to operate. Not detrimental, but annoying. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure somebody got in trouble or potentially fired over it. This Mm -hmm. one's a little scary. In Japan, a nuclear power plant reported that the radiation monitoring equipment failed for a few seconds after midnight. But there was, uh, I mean, nothing. They say they weren't at risk, but of course they're going to say that. But for a couple of seconds, they couldn't tell anything about the radiation monitoring, which thankfully nothing and all the radiation was good. But also glad it was just a few seconds. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be nerve wracking on that shift. Uh huh. But also in Japan, NTT Mobile Communications, which is the largest cell phone and cellular data operator, reported that some of the models of their phones started to delete new messages when they were received because of the date and stuff. Probably had a lot of calls to tech support on that one. Yeah. All right. Then over in South Korea, there is an Andal. I'm pretty sure that's how it said. If not, whatever. Heating system and water heating um, that actually failed. And it was down for 19 hours. And then there was also hospitals over there that had some issues with reports um, specifically to the new births hmm. coming up is 1900 instead of 2000. So nothing. I mean, the water, the heating and water systems being down for 19 hours is a huge inconvenience. Um, and I, to be honest, I don't know what the temperatures are in South Korea in January. So hopefully it's not too cold. Because that would have stunk to not have heat for mm-hmm. 19 hours. Could you imagine that, Meg? Oh, shout out 98 when we were 19 <laughs> days. Uh, not a good time. But either way, let's go over to Hong Kong. The uh, This one's <laughs> ironic because apparently the police breathalyzers failed at midnight. <laughs> huh. That one is good. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. That's DWI good. rates were down in Hong Kong because of Y2K <laughs> headlines. All right, let's go over to Greece where approximately 30,000 cast registers amounting to around 10% of the country's total printed receipts with the dates, 1900. That can't be good for anybody in uh, accounts receivable or payable that had to take in (laughs) all of these receipts. 30,000 cash registers in Greece. Yeah. All right. Let's slide over to Denmark. What happened in Denmark, Meg? The first baby born on January 1st was recorded as being 100 years old. That's That's some Benjamin Button right there. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Then over in Germany, a bank accidentally transferred 12 million of their currency, which is equivalent to $6.2 million to a customer and presented a statement with the date 30 December 1899. (laughs) They went way back. (laughs) Way back. Can you imagine having $6.2 million in 1899? I don't even think uh, George Bolt, shout out to that episode, had that kind of money in the late 1800s. (laughs) But uh, the bank did quickly fix the incorrect transfer. Could you imagine having that transfer? I wonder if you were, even if you had it for a day or two, if you were able to keep some of the interest on $6.2 million. What what happened in Mali? And I'm not even sure where Mali is. It's a place. I have no idea. What happened over there? Anything? A program for tracking trains throughout the country failed. Oh, it's in in West Africa. Hmm. It's in West Africa. Yeah, that's not a good thing for tracking trains. No ability to track the trains in South Africa. Yikes. Uh, Norway, a daycare Hmm. center for kindergartners in Oslo offered a spot to a 105-year-old woman because the citizen's registry only showed the last two digits of the citizen's (laughs) years of birth. (laughs) Hey, Grandma, we we can't get you a nursing home, but hey, we got a daycare center. <laughs> I mean, that'd probably be good. You know, you start pairing 105-year-olds with um, five-year-olds. 
or four-year-olds, whatever they are in kindergarten. I think we might be onto something. Hmm. I feel like that's a thing. If it's not, we just started that. So you're going to do that, right? You're going to take care of 105-year-olds in kindergartners? <laughs> you heard it here first on the Yorktown. Meg's opening up a daycare <laughs> retirement like center. Visitation days. Okay, well, I mean, if you said yes, we'll start boost building. Morale, you know, boost morale for them. I think it's good for everybody. It's win-win. All right. So we'll get you and my grandma working together. All right. In Sheffield, <laughs> in the UK, a Y2K bug that was not discovered and fixed until the 24th of May wow. caused computers to miscalculate the ages of pregnant mothers. This is this one's pretty bad because it, <laughs> it led to 154 patients receiving incorrect risk assessments for having a child with Down syndrome. <laughs> and because of this, there was two abortions and four babies with Down syndrome were born to mothers who had been told that they were actually in the low risk group. <laughs> Yikes, right? Yeah, that's a big mistake. Big mistake. Almost like uh, the local hospital where I'm at that's got hacked and is still down because, well, big mistakes. Mm -hmm. All right. In the U.S., let's jump over here. The U.S. Naval Observatory, which runs the master clock that actually keeps the country's official time, gave the date on its website is 1 January 19100. Mm. Come on. Um, the <laughs> U.S. Bureau of Alcohol and Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives could not register new firearms to any dealers for five days because their computers failed to recognize dates on applications. I feel like I remember hearing a whole bunch of hicks mad that they couldn't mm -hmm. buy a gun for five I, days. That just like struck a memory too. Isn't that funny? Oh man, I can't buy me a new gun for five days. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> the voice. In New York, came I, back. I, I haven't I, used it in a while. I know. I don't know why that's my <laughs> hick voice, but uh, there it is. I, I do remember this one for some reason, because in New York, a video store accidentally generated a $91,250 late fee because the store computer system determined a videotape <laughs> rental was 100 years <laughs> overdue. That might be my favorite one. I do remember that one. I don't specifically know where, but I, I, I do remember hearing that. <laughs> um, also, credit card companies, MasterCard and Visa, might have heard of them, reported that as a direct result of the Y2K glitch, there was a few weeks after the year rollover, a small percentage of customers were being charged multiple times for transactions. <laughs> sure, they made out all right on that one. And then also, Microsoft reported that after the year rolled over, Hotmail emails sent in October 1999 or earlier showed up as having been sent in 2099 didn't really affect the email content or the ability to send or receive just something that when you looked into the send folder and this goes i just want to throw it out there if anybody is still using a hotmail email get rid of it it was only cool uh, 24 <laughs> years ago go get something else for about 25 dollars a year you can have your own name you know some people just don't like change though yeah that's why they made that song. I'm going through changes. It's time to change your Hotmail email. I actually emailed somebody recently that was a Hotmail email. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> come on. Change it up a little bit. So, all right. Well, I think that we've we've covered that a little bit here. So, um, oh, oh, we have a hidden note. Mm -hmm. I, I see this. Okay. Hidden note. So, producer Zach, who has been actively writing some episodes, I think on the day of the recording, he said he wrote a couple of them. He decided to add a little note to this. So he says, thank you, Matt. I never thought you'd ask. Hey, gang, producer Zach here. You forgot to ask the question. Oh. What was the atmosphere like where you were as midnight hit? 
I forgot to ask that question. You, Sorry. You can't jump in like an answer with no question. Well, my notes, I scroll down and I look at my screen. I don't see that. Yeah. Okay. That was on you. Okay. So Meg asked the question and then he says, producer, when Y2K hit, he was in second grade. And he says, I was, but it's, it's there. Sorry, Matt and Meg. I'm a baby. Wing. I guess. You said it, not me. He insulted it and you whined. Haha. <laughs> For me, which is producer Zach, most of the vivid memories of the times are twofold. One, there was a lot of outward anxiety from my father. And two, Chris Jericho was crushing it at the height of professional wrestling popularity, especially amongst the male student body of Medill Elementary School. From my father's standpoint, he worked in a lab at our largest hospital at the time. He was involved in reporting infectious diseases found in our area to the CDC. An intelligent biologist, he may be a person exceptionally keen in other fields of study. He is not. So I remember lots of talks around the supper table. Supper. He's a supper guy. <laughs> some people say supper. Some say dinner. I like that. Supper table between him and his <laughs> grandparents about what could happen when we roll over to 2000. The main concerns I remember were a complete loss of widespread scientific knowledge as a whole or worst yet, delayed response time when hot button diseases hit the country. Probably shit like SARS, anthrax, West Nile virus, that sort of trendy stuff. And he remembers a lot of I'll be at work for days straight if this happens and we'll be back to square one as a medical community. I could see it. I, knowing his <laughs> knowing his dad, that voice that came the, out the wasn't, voice was good. It wasn't his actual dad's <laughs> voice, but knowing his dad, I can see him saying these things and like getting all fired up. A little hint of reddish. Shout out, <laughs> Zach's dad. All right. Obviously that didn't happen. And as he grew up and got more knowledge up in my brain, he says, I realized my father is a hypochondriac, and none of that was probably possible in the first place. Then he goes on to say, on late night cable television, there was the real, this is where the real action was. The WCW and the ECW merged from uh, the Alliance and threatened the WWF, I'm not going to say that word, as the go-to for the professional wrestling. I'm not going to say that word because I'm not really sure how to say that word, <laughs> not because it's a bad word. And he did slip in, I'm like Anchorman, he slipped in a swear word and I did say it. So if there's a fine in the swear jar, Zach's paying for it. Every Monday night, he tuned into Raw to see what Vince McMahon and his family would go to and kind of um, the endless assault of Alliance talent like Goldberg, uh, Goldberg, Brooker T, Kurt Angle, and Rob Van Dam, cousin of John Claude Van Dam. I heard, I don't really know, but the climax, <laughs> I don't know anything about wrestling. So this is educational for me. And I'm, I'm this was not pre-read. None of this is. I'm just reading the script. Hidden gem. <laughs> But the climax was the debut of Chris Y2J Jericho. Omnius techno music and a countdown clock to Y2J would flash on the Jumbotron seemingly unannounced until he finally made his debut in late August of the year, losing by DQ to Road Dog after Y2J powerbomb Dog through a table. Jericho's door kicking off the WWF led to a hellacious two-year campaign with the... Um, where am I here? Which uh, which call, which ended up making sure that he was the WCW and WWF world champion, held the belts at the pay-per-view <laughs> Vengeance, December 9th in the San Diego, where Y2J defeated not only The Rock, but Stone Cold Steve Austin in the same night. Oh, he's got one more memory. It's the third one. Tim sitting at his Aunt Jackie's house the day of New Year's Eve. The news was on, and they were talking about the airplanes, how they won't have tails anymore. I remember mentioning it to Mrs. Groom in class once we returned to school, and she just nodded and smiled. Shout out, Mrs. Groom. Shout out, Mrs. Groom. Womp womp. Anyway, back to you, Matt and Meg. <laughs> I like that a lot. So, obvious, 
obviously there was, you know, excitement, nervousness. We, we've covered that. There was breaking news. There was no news. There was fake news. There was pure panic. But at the end of the day, power stayed on. Banking systems were fine and life went on as normal. But the total cost of the work done in preparation of Y2K surpassed um, $300 billion, $510 billion as of January 2018, if you um, take inflation into account. IDC calculated that the U.S. spent an estimated of $134 billion, with inflation 228, preparing for Y2K, another $13 billion fixing the problems in 2000 and 2021, or 2001. Worldwide, $308 billion, or 523, was estimated to have been spent on Y2K. Hmm. That's a lot of money. It is. A lot of work done, a lot of education, a lot of stuff in this. And uh, that's not only a wrap on the Y2K episode. That's a that's a wrap on 2023. This is, I think, episode 39 of the Yorktown podcast. It's a decent year. Decent year. I mean, we're not quite a year. Um, about what's that? 13 more episodes. It'll be the one year anniversary of the Yorktown podcast. So obviously, shout out to producer Zach. Can't thank you enough for uh, for not only getting back into it. And I know he's trying to crush out a bunch of episodes because February and March get busy. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to the January podcast of the month on the Deluxe Edition Network. We got Bev's Video Kingdom, the Barrel Age Flicks. And because it's January, we want to start it off with a bang. There's three of them. The Kindness Matters podcast. Make sure you guys check them out on the Deluxe Edition Network.com. And uh, I don't have a quote prepared, so I'm going to find a quote on the fly. Okay. So, Well, while you're looking for the quote, I have yeah. a question. Did you... Turn off your t- uh, your computer. Um, I'm going to say yes. We typically turn it off every single night, but I don't even know if we had a computer <laughs> in 99, to be honest with you. We didn't even get high-speed internet where I am for a very long time. So I'm, I'm going to say that probably yes. As in the old AIM phase of my life. Yes. Mm-hmm. With the, the cool dial-up tone. All right. I'm randomly on co-intelligence.org, significant Y2K quotes. Um, Man, there's a lot of them uh, that are, let's just go with this. Y2K is a crisis without precedent in humane history. Edmund X. De De Jesus from the year 2000 survival guide, bite July, 1998, pages 52 through 62. Sorry that I, I forgot the quote, um, <laughs> but you got that one. Shout out to our sources. The only source that we use was obviously producer Zach and Wikipedia. Shout out Wikipedia for all of that. You guys can Google that and check it out. All right. That's all we got. That's a wrap again on the year on the episode. Can't thank you enough, Meg. Hopefully you're still enjoying it as the co-host of the Town podcast. I am. I'm still curious about if there's people that did not turn off the computers, if anything happened. So let us know in the comments. And if I think of it, I will try to clip this part where we will actually um, see if we can get some combat. Yeah, combat. So let's get some combats <laughs> on this. Comments on this. And uh, I was reading Survival Guide in the quote that I just did. I put it in the notes so I can give shout out to it in the description. And you simmer down. <laughs> Survival Guide went to combat. And I need a drink. Oh, my God. Goodness. It's it's five o'clock. It's been a year. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Let's go have a celebratory drink. Probably gonna have some fat bourbon, uh, fat baby bourbon, New York bourbon. 
friends of the show. So, all right, that's all we got. You got anything else? I got nothing else. H- Happy New Year's, everybody. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next year. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, yeah. What was that? That was my, <laughs> that was my uh, party horn. Oh, party horn. <laughs> what she said. We're out of here. I don't actually have a party horn. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. We're back. Episode 40. It's a good one. Stay tuned. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. This is Take on the World with Johnny and Mike. And, you know, people always ask me, hey, you got a podcast? What's it about? Uh, I don't know. You ever want to uh, cut your fingers off or learn about a sharp knife? <laughs> we could tell you that. <laughs> How about uh, murder mysteries or uh, hauntings or any kind of fringe subject? Anything you could think of. We take on everything because we take on the world. Now you do a take on the world. I'm Chris. And I'm Mel. And together we host the podcast, Spoil Spoil My My Movie. Movie. We were watching movies anyway. And we were having in-depth conversations about those movies, too. So, we decided to share our thoughts with the world. You can expect me to gripe about inaccurate details like supposedly cold weather, but you can't see anyone's breath. And you can expect me to be but also psychologically deep. And by the end of each episode, we'll provide our respective ratings. Using a rating scale custom tailored to the movie in question. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We're everywhere. We're actually behind you right now. Hi, I'm Don Brody, a comedian with a history degree and the host of the podcast Hilf. History I'd like to fuck. Each episode, I am joined by a new guest who has brought me a subject from history that they want to know more about. Then I hit the books, I dig deep in the annals, and stimulate. (laughs) We've covered Frankenstein, Houdini, Joan of Arc, Pompeii, the Salem Witch Trials, right? Join us and find out for yourself that history is a party and everybody's coming. (laughs) 